Hello, welcome to Vet Talk, the veterinary podcast. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. This is an informational podcast, and we hope you find it a valuable tool to help you understand veterinary medicine and how to better care for your animals. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud or by going to lickingvalleyvet.com and finding the education page. While you are there, take a look at our blog section for more helpful information. You can also follow Licking Valley Veterinary Hospital's Facebook page if you want regular updates on released podcasts, blogs, and videos. If you find this information helpful, please feel free to make a donation to the continuation of this content. There is a link to do this on the webpage under the podcast list. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. Today, we are going to be doing a few things. First, I purchased a new microphone for recording, so we're going to try that out. So hopefully, everyone will enjoy my voice even more. The main reason for this purchase was because I plan on doing more in-the-field interviews and needed a different setup. So after reading a bunch of online reviews, I made a purchase of this new toy. I I mean, tool. Today, we will discuss the equine pre-purchase exam. This exam is better than an online review when you are looking to purchase a horse. This is an exam from an unbiased professional that lets you know what you are getting into before you have totally committed. It's the same as a home inspector before you purchase a home. Home inspectors let you know the potential risk or reasons to consider negotiation with the seller about purchasing the house before you actually buy the house and then are stuck with that leaky roof or septic backup that causes many smelly problems. Instead of looking for septic problems, your veterinarian on a pre-purchase exam is looking for things like a lameness that may prevent your horse from performing how you want it to upon purchase. The pre-purchase exam is an underutilized tool. So what is this tool? Well, it's an exam of the horse as in-depth or as thorough as you wish it to be to make you comfortable about purchasing or not purchasing the horse. And I think that's the first important point here. You should not walk into a pre-purchase exam with the idea that you are going to purchase a horse. If you are going to purchase a horse regardless of the results of the exam, you should probably not bother with spending the money for the pre-purchase exam. Certainly, I as the vet would like you to give me money, but my idea is you give me money for information you're going to use. It's frankly a waste of time if you are not going to consider the results of the pre-purchase exam. This is a tool for you to try to rule out problems that you might miss, but a professional may see. Use this tool. The results of my pre-purchases are rarely a pass-fail. Rather, it gives you information to make an informed decision. Maybe the pre-purchase looks great and you realize you're getting the perfect horse for you at below average price. Or maybe you realize the seller is asking a lot of money for a horse with a specific medical issue and you will maybe pass on buying that horse. Maybe the exam will give you the information to make a counter offer on the horse to get a fair price based on the results from the exam. Just like you make a counter offer on a house that you want to buy, but maybe it has a few leaky faucets. 
and isn't worth the marked value. This exam is for you, the buyer, so use it. Horse sellers sometimes dislike the exam, but remember, this could be free information for you as the seller. Either this will confirm a buy for you and help you make the sale, or it could expose a medical issue that you did not know about, and if the buyer is generous with their information, you will get this for free. So there are benefits to both buyer and seller from a pre-purchase exam, albeit more of those benefits are for the buyer. Today will be the first of two episodes where we will go through the steps of a pre-purchase and discuss this process. First, a few terms. One, the seller is the person selling the horse. Sometimes the seller will work through an agent who is selling the horse for them. The buyer is the person buying the horse. I will typically be speaking as if I am talking to the buyer because that is what I do as the veterinarian. Okay, down to the nitty gritty. Don't bring me a horse for a pre-purchase exam if you have already purchased the horse. Doesn't that sound silly? But that happens to me all the time. The owner bought a horse and they want a pre-purchase exam because they heard that's what you are supposed to do when you purchase a horse. I can't help you with your purchase after money has exchanged hands. A pre-purchase is for determining if you want to purchase a horse not to confirm your purchase was a wise decision. Because guess what? I've had to burst a lot of people's bubbles. My post-purchase, pre-purchase exams have found more lamenesses, COPD horses, or horses with neurologic problems than my actual pre-purchase exams. If you bring me a horse that you have already purchased for evaluation, that is simply called an exam. That is what I do for, on every other case. Find problems that you, the owner, get to deal with. So you found the horse of your dreams, and you want to bring it to the office for an exam. Just back the dragon train up here. First, you should decide if you want to have a pre-purchase exam. Wait, Doc, you just said I should get a pre-purchase exam before I get this horse. Well, no, if you are going to use this information, you should get an exam. Well, I trust you, Doc. That's why I'm bringing the horse to you. This brings up two things that need to be considered. One, is there a conflict of interest? The biggest conflict of interest is if I, as the veterinarian, am the primary caregiver of the horse via the seller. This makes things very, very awkward. First, I am not allowed to break client-patient confidentiality. I can't tell a buyer that I know that the horse they are looking at to purchase has a specific disease unless the seller gives me specific permission to do so. I remember one pre-purchase exam where I was the mutual vet of the buyer and seller. I agree to do this in only very specific scenarios because there are a limited number of equine veterinarians in my region. I'm also very good at being rather objective. So in these cases, I explain to the buyer that I am the primary care vet for the seller and recommend they get another veterinarian. But if they can't find one and want to proceed, I can proceed with the exam for them. I explain I am working for them, the buyer, not the seller at this point. But anyway, I was a mutual vet and completed a pre-purchase exam. 
Goodness, how could I work fairly for the buyer? I obviously would be attempting to help my client, right? Well, like I said, I am objective and do the job asked of me. So who do you think I made upset? Yep, the seller. When I do a pre-purchase exam, I attempt to find all the problems a horse may have. I tear the horse apart and nitpick it so the buyer gets the information they want. Sometimes, when explaining this, I slip and say I'm trying to fail this horse. Which I'm not really. I'm just trying to get good information for the buyer who is paying me for this specific exam. What did I do with this horse? I nitpicked it. I found flaws. I tore it apart and gave the information to the buyer, who was standing near the owner or the seller. So the owner listened to me dissect this horse's flaws. The buyer was happy and ended up buying the horse. The owner eventually stopped using me as a veterinarian because I was rather harsh on the horse. Did the things I found mean the horse was a bad horse? No, they were just worthy of discussion before someone bought a horse. They caused the owner no problems and did not need addressing for the owner, but the buyer wanted to know those problems so they could make an informed decision. The seller was upset with me because of the misconception that I would not make note of the little normal abnormalities of a horse. However, there's even more to the story. The buyer did not press the owner for medical records. The seller did not disclose that the horse had a medical issue. The medical issue, as I knew, would not present on the exam. I was still under obligation to not tell the buyer because my previous work was protected by client-patient confidentiality with that owner and that patient. Since the owner-seller didn't release the medical records, I had to play dumb. So what happened in this scenario? The seller was mad at me because I tore the horse apart. The buyer bought a horse with an underlying medical condition that I knew about but could not disclose. So yeah, just get an objective third party. Don't put your vet in that situation. We don't like it. We can certainly recommend people who can help you with your pre-purchase exam, but we don't like completing pre-purchases of mutual clients. I declined doing most of these mutual pre-purchase exams because of the above scenario, and the few I do are because of extenuating circumstances where both seller and buyer agree to the bias risk and can't find another veterinarian in the region that will complete a pre-purchase for them. Other than a conflict of interest, the second thing that should be considered, the price of the horse. Again, I love making money. I just bought a new microphone for my podcast episodes, and I have to pay for it somehow. Pre-purchase exams are typically more expensive than a regular veterinary exam because of the liability involved and being more in-depth. So you need to talk with your veterinarian and see what their prices are. I have a form we give the buyer to fill out. It explains the various steps of the exams with their general prices that the owner agrees to before the actual exam. So let's say you look at a form and want to get X, Y, and Z information. Check, check, check. Oh, that comes to $500. Okay, well, the horse costs $900. Mmm, yeah, don't do that. You're getting more information than the horse is worth. A general rule of thumb is you don't want to spend more than 10 to 15% of the horse's cost on a pre-purchase exam. This makes sense. If this is your backyard pet that you go on one trail ride a year, 
you aren't investing what a racehorse owner is investing in the horse. Each of these owners has different goals for the horse, and that's really the first thing you need to do. Answer the question in your head, what are my goals for this horse? Are you going to run the Kentucky Derby, or are you going to stare at it while it's in the pasture and you are sipping your morning coffee? What do you want from this horse? If you are going to watch it eat grass in the pasture, I'm not going to be as hard on the horse during the exam or recommend as many tests as I would the horse you want to win the Kentucky Derby with. Is the horse you're getting going to be able to accomplish your needs is the main question we're trying to answer for you. Any horse can do anything. I have seen all breeds run barrels or run races. Each breed has specific strengths and weaknesses. I don't buy a draft horse to run the derby, the same as I don't buy a thoroughbred to pull a plow. So what do you want this horse to do for you, and can it reasonably accomplish this? I ride Paso Finos, and they are some of the most versatile horses around. They can turn quicker than any barrel horse I know, and have a gait that helps me relax in the saddle after work. But I certainly don't get Pasos to win races of distances. Well races of distances over short times. Anyway, before I get off topic, I also want the buyer to tell me if they want me to look for anything specific with the horse. Do they want the horse to be easily loaded and unloaded from a trailer? Because the vet clinic is a good place to evaluate that. Are you as the buyer concerned because your previous horse has had a disease like uh, Cushing's and don't want to knowingly take on the medical care of another Cushing's horse? I will also ask the buyer if they have ridden the horse. Everyone has a different comfort level, but I can't fathom buying a horse sight unseen. If you are comfortable with that, I am not talking you down. It's just not something I am comfortable with. To me, when you are riding or physically interacting with the horse, you can get an idea how you communicate with it. And if you aren't comfortable with riding or working with that horse, that is the first thing that indicate you should think critically if you want to continue looking at this horse for purchase. With that in mind, I typically recommend two rides for the buyer on two different days. Having more than one ride gives you the consistency of the horse and may confirm your ability to communicate with it. One ride may be uncharacteristically good for the horse, or uncharacteristically bad. And if this is a horse you are truly interested in, you want to give the horse a fighting chance. You see something in the source, so take your time and make sure this is a good fit for you. Because if you buy this horse, you are responsible for feeding it, providing it shelter, and giving it husbandry and medical care for as long as you own it, even if you never use it for its intended purpose. I also ask buyers if insurance specifically needs anything filled out or ascertained on the exam. Sometimes specific forms are needed with specific wordings and a veterinarian needs to see this before the exam so they can make sure that their exam includes the exact legalese requirements for the purchase. Some insurance require radiographs, commonly known as x-rays, of specific joints. The vet needs to know this so they can complete their exam accordingly and schedule enough time so they can complete the exam thoroughly and well without being rushed. That's pretty much page one of my form I hand out to clients. The last thing on the page is credit card payment information. 
At my office, I like getting payment information up front. I've completed exams where buyers are in a completely different state from me, and these are new clients. I don't extend credit to clients who have not earned it, and there is a certain risk to veterinary practices for completing exams for clients who they have never met or reside in a different state. This is a protection mechanism so the vet doesn't do a lot of work and then not get paid for it. Pre-purchase exams can become quite expensive. Thankfully, all the people I have worked with out of state have always been reliable about paying. But I have friends who have been burned because of unscrupulous people. The second page of my exam is where I tend to have the most problems getting medical history. The pre-purchase I mentioned earlier that I did for mutual clients illustrates the bigger point of how important medical history is. That was early in my career and I now require a medical history before I even schedule an appointment for a pre-purchase. I don't know how many times I've had buyers tell me that even though the medical records were requested by the time of the pre-purchase appointment, now that the appointment is here, the records aren't. This is where I start to see the most deceit from sellers. And buyers at the time of the exam are now invested, which means I think they want to buy the horse more. They have cashed down once the exam has started. So psychologically, many buyers want a positive result versus an informational result. But this is really important and a gigantic red flag if the owners can't present medical records. There are innocent and innocuous reasons to not have a medical history for a horse. But from a vet's perspective, not having that medical history makes me think that the sellers are trying to hide something. Unfortunately, these thoughts are from experience. I had a client once buy a breeding stallion. This was the stallion which was supposed to elevate their farm. Each time the horse leapt on the back of a mare, the horse would bring money and prestige to the farm. The owner spent a significant amount of money on the horse, just around 40000 which for my clients is expensive. Well, they didn't get medical records from the seller, and I didn't do the pre-purchase exam. I'm not sure if they did a pre-purchase exam. I think they may have, but they purchased the horse before they started using me as a vet. Anyway, the horse started having problems. The horse had neck issues and couldn't mount another horse. That's not very helpful for a breeding horse. Then, what hurt even more was through some investigation, another vet had previously diagnosed this problem. Oops. And the seller of the horse was not very forthcoming, i.e. they gave no medical records and stop talking to the person who bought the horse. <sighs> yeah, all sales were final. The owner lost a lot of money and a breeding horse. This problem was something that reviewing the medical records could have prevented. So every time a seller comes to me and says they don't have a medical record, the broken stallion case jumps to mind. Because even if the seller looks honest, I don't know that they haven't hidden something gigantic like that. With medical records, another doctor has already done work to diagnose and treat an animal. To find problems, all I have to do is read a piece of paper. So why wouldn't I want to do that to save someone $40,000? Here's another scenario. I had a seller bring me a horse. 
Well, actually, it was the agent of the seller. I'm in Kentucky. The horse was from Ohio and staying at a Kentucky barn until it could be sold. It was still owned by the person in Ohio, but being boarded in Kentucky. I asked for the medical records. On presentation for the pre-purchase, the owner agent had no medical records. I informed them this was a gigantic red flag for me, and I would have to speak to the potential buyer, and the agent got extremely mad. It was stupid on the agent's part. He was getting mad and shouting at the person that could potentially talk the buyer out of the sale of the horse. I was flummoxed. The person said I was being difficult, and that information wasn't needed. I was simply floored because I was thinking of the broken stallion, and I realized and informed the agent that they were trying to sell a horse that had already broken interstate travel laws. They had no EIA test or Coggins test. Coggins is part of the medical record. More importantly, Coggins is required by any horse that is traveling as long as the horse is not traveling to the vet or the owner's property. I.e., if your horse isn't going to the vet or you aren't moving from one property you own to another you own, your horse needs a negative blood test to leave your farm. This is set up for your neighbors and you to prevent a deadly horse disease from destroying the equine economy of the country or causing your beloved horse to not be euthanized due to the disease. When I asked for a Coggins, this agent said they didn't have it. It was a trick question they fell right into. They were honest that they didn't have the Coggins test. I guess that's a plus, but that meant that they admitted to violating interstate transport laws. So they admitted to being lawbreakers. They admitted that they didn't care if this horse transported a disease deadly to their neighbor's horse. We will have an episode about Coggins soon, where you can see just how serious of a disease this is. But for now, realize it is serious and viewed seriously by the federal government. So not having this test makes me feel that the agent was untrustworthy. So what else would they be trying to hide in the sale of this horse? Second, this horse was a gelding. The owner said there was no medical records. Does anyone see a problem with that? How did the horse get gelded without a vet? There should be a medical record. And to be fair, like I said, there are reasons that there would not be a medical record with a horse. Some people rescued a horse or got it from people who just didn't provide veterinary care. The records may not have gotten transferred in some of these situations. It happens. So if a plausible explanation is given, I take that into account. Those horses sold for $500 usually don't come with medical records. And yes, some people even geld their horses without veterinary help using the same methods used before anesthetics. So they wouldn't have a medical record. But in general, a seller telling me that the gelded horse doesn't have medical records or has never seen a vet because that owner gives the vaccines and dewormings themselves makes me question the validity of the statement. I know there are reasonable explanations, but this puts me on edge. It makes me look closer for more problems with this horse. While we are on the topic of medical records, if you are collecting medical records for a vet, please don't send an invoice. I love seeing the prices other veterinarians have, but it is not helpful in making medical decisions. Oh, I see we ran a fecal on the horse last year. 
Well, it's just an invoice. I don't see the results of the fecal. The horse may have a very high egg count and require extra dewormings each year, which is something the buyer should consider before bringing the new horse into their herd. The medical record would tell me if it needed extra dewormings and has 5,000 eggs per gram on the fecal, or it doesn't need extra dewormings and only has 250 eggs per gram on the fecal, which is pretty normal. The invoice tells me none of that. The veterinary invoice proves they ran a fecal and were at a veterinarian, but does not tell me what the results were. While better than no medical records because it proves there was veterinary care, it is still an incomplete picture. So yeah, I want medical records. And some people are like, I rarely have the vet out for my animals. I vaccinate my animals myself and I deworm my animals myself. And I'm not saying that's bad. You are taking good care of your horses, I'm sure. So at your pre-purchase, you can show some receipts or your yearly form where you write everything down you do for your horse. Just realize what vets are looking for and realize we are looking for this because of the bad people out there that are trying to screw people over. I do the same thing for everyone because I am trying to protect them. It just seems harsh when you and your horse are the ones being evaluated. And while I have had many sellers complain about my process, I haven't had one buyer complain about my methods. One last tidbit. A current Coggins blood test is required for the sale of a horse. I'm not sure who is financially responsible for acquiring the Coggins. I would put the burden on the seller. After all, they can't sell the horse without having a negative Coggins, so that seems like a seller thing to do. However, I understand that the buyer may want the Coggins test in their name. They may need to be the one who pays for the Coggins. One thing you can do is have the vet completing the pre-purchase, draw the blood for the Coggins, and hold on to sending the test to the lab until the final decision to purchase the horse has been made. But I caution people. Do not buy a horse without a negative Coggins. If you do, this is a violation of the law, but most importantly can put any horse you or your neighbor has at risk of being euthanized. So take this seriously. All horses sold need to be negative for Coggins. That's where we will stop today. On our next episode, we will go over the actual exam. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Nathan. I hope this information was helpful to you and gives you a little more perspective on the world. If you want to reach out to us, email us at theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tell your friends about our podcast and check out LickingValleyVet.com for information on blogs, videos, and the complete list of podcasts in our education section.